0: ticket staff Good evening,
1: everybody, and welcome to a coming fall episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our son Dominic's debut on sound. Thank you, Dee, for being here. And a very, very, very dear and special guest coming up with us.
0: Actually, the man whom is going to be with us tonight calls his parents Joseph and Mary. And for most of his life, he was surrounded by 12 very close siblings. (laughs) And yes, in a certain fashion, Jesus is with us in the Holy Spirit. And this man is a in persona Christi, a beloved brother who is a priest that I've known from my days of discernment at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Very blessed by that time. And anybody who's listening right now, you know that I'm very blessed by my wife and our seven children. And I lost nothing by responding to God's grace to explore priestly life. It was an amazing time for me. And there I met this man, then Kevin Peake. Now, Father Kevin Peake, he is in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. He's actually a military chaplain for the Georgia National Guard and has had some really awesome interactions in his life. He has been chaplain for the Atlanta Braves who are doing extremely well right now. And um, I don't know about the Falcons, how good they're going to be. Dominic, are they doing any good? He'll let me know. Father Kevin will let me know when we get to that. But anyways, what's awesome about this brother of mine, other than just being a dear friend and and companion in the journey through life, um, he's one of 11 children, 45 nieces and nephews, and all of them are faithful. All of them are pursuing their Catholic faith. I mean, what are the chances in the culture today? So if you're like me, you're saying, wow, what are the ingredients for that? Like, what does it take for a large family of 11 kids, 45 nieces and nephews, to be going after it? And um, what prompted this was really, I can cue my wife in a second, um, was she was looking for uh, possible churches for friends who are moving down to Atlanta. And, of course, it cost her to do a little research for our friend, Father Kevin Peake, and I hand the baton off.
1: So yes, we have friends moving to the Atlanta area and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to connect you with this just amazing, wonderful, holy priest that I know you will love. And so wanted to see the distance between where they were moving and where I knew Kev- Father Kevin's um, uh, parish was. And so as I was looking that up, I felt like I was creeping a little bit because I started to <laughs> read one article after the next.
0: Appropriate use of creeping in modern yeah, maximum so, Colby would approve.
1: Um we will get to these stories in a moment, but just the real blessing of having met Father Kevin first in Erie, Pennsylvania, because mm. his sister is a Carmelite our there. Our hometown at
0: one point, and New he, Beach.
1: yes, and he came to say mass, and we connected um, at the monastery, and then on our way down to take our daughter Annie. Many of our listeners know who is now a senior at Ave. Uh, Maria University in Florida, we were able to reconnect and be blessed by his hospitality at the halfway mark. So just meeting him again and story after story after story. So I knew kind of general things. The man could write a book already and then some, at least a four-volume book with his experiences and just beautiful moments in his priesthood. But I want to share with you um, listeners, I hope you enjoy being read to for a few minutes because it was the article mm-hmm. that came up um, regarding the funeral mass of his brother mm-hmm. and brother priest, Father Joe Peake. So um, it was so moved that I had to read it aloud to our children and have already passed it along. So may it touch you like mm-hmm. it. And continues. I was so
0: moved. I said, let's see if we can get him on Tuesday night. So yeah, here we are. before I
1: finished reading, he was texting. Hmm. So this is from Dunwoody, Georgia as they sang the salve regina scores of atlanta's priests and its three bishops one by one blessed the casket of father joseph m peak in the sunshine outside all saints church at the march 18th funeral mass confronted with leukemia just prior to his priestly ordination in 2002 father peak turned his physical illnesses into a prayer for his brother priests Mm -hmm. he died march 14th at the age of 50 at all saints one of 11 children, Father Peak received a bone marrow transplant from his sister, Kathleen, in 2003. The transplant addressed his leukemia, but he suffered from severe complications for the remainder of his life, including a graft versus host disease and squamous cell carcinoma. He continued to minister as much as possible, including to the sick in special ministries and at parishes. There were three bishops there and over 100 priests. Father Peak's younger brother, Father Kevin Peak, was the homilist, thanking the community for unfailing support of his brother in his struggles. His life, his mission, his work, and even his death were all about Jesus of Nazareth, said Father Peake, for it was Jesus of Nazareth who came to a world fallen in sin, broken in spirit, and ravaged by sickness and death, in order that he should offer the perfect sacrifice necessary to fulfill the covenant and to restore the relationship of prodigal humanity with the just and merciful Father. And so what is a priest, asked Father Peak, He's a man, but called to participate in God's grace and by God's mercy to become what the early church termed an Altar Christus, another Christ. Priests are called, said Father Peak, to be obedient to the will of God completely, mm. even if dying. While Joe Peak's journey to the priesthood was circuitous at each step. It brought him face to face with the cross and taught him virtues that would help him to persevere. Father Joe was no stranger to suffering, but was willing to patiently endure it and often defeat it. Mm-hmm. Thus, it was as if he were bo- was born and ordained to suffer. Said Father peak the oldest son. He grew up in Metro Atlanta, where the family belonged to Immaculate Heart of Mary Church. He went into the U.S. Navy serving as a helicopter crewman and rescue swimmer. He was co-sponsored in the seminary by the U.S. Archdiocese for the Military Services in the Archdiocese of Atlanta and hoped to be a naval chaplain. But as ordination approached, he could not physically complete his daily running regimen and was diagnosed with leukemia. At the same time, the sex abuse scandal involving priests of the Boston Archdiocese was breaking. Immediately at the very onset... With that backdrop of the scandals, he offered his sufferings as a prayer for the priests of Atlanta, said his brother. He committed himself to being a Mm priest-priest. From that day forward, the suffering began. Following the bone marrow transplant, the priest's immune system assaulted his eyes, lungs, and intestines. In 2005, his skin began to thin out and bubble up, eventually splitting open. The wounds never responded to treatment for any length of time but he didn't complain or rescind the commitment to pray and offer sufferings for his brother priests. The sufferings provided a power unknown to those who run from the cross, said Father Peak. Father Joe's sufferings and wounds and patient endurance spoke to us all and challenged us to reflect on our own understanding of the power of suffering and our own weakness and inability to endure it in our own lives or the lives of others, he said. In the face of scandal, God sent a remarkable priest to respond to the attack on the priesthood by showing love while in unrelenting pain. In the end, he was everything a priest should be, a stand-in for Christ, a sacramental continuation of his sacrificial presence here on earth, said Father Peak. I'm proud to call him my brother, but I'm even more honored and humbled to call him my fellow priest. And just in closing, um, I just need to add Monsignor Marin, who was the pastor at All Saints at the time, had some different comments um, regarding some beautiful, beautiful thoughts. But I just want to end with one of them. He said, And if you are to understand Joe Peak, you have to understand his family. But trying to understand the Peak family <laughs> is like trying to understand the Trinity. Nevertheless, the fact that the Trinity is a mystery does not prevent us from probing into it, and at this time I can say without any doubt that this family is superb. The family's strength was evident in the care they provided to the priest, particularly in the last year of his life when they knitted together daily and nightly support. Mm -hmm. Father Kevin Peake moved into the All Saints rectory while parents and other siblings gave respite and medical care. Assisting the family were many All Saints parishioners who helped dress wounds, provide food, prayer, and transportation to medical appointments. What I have seen over the last 12 months or more, he said, I give thanks to God for calling me to the priesthood because I have seen an action before my eyes every day, not just the corporal, but the spiritual works of mercy, and it has been heartening to me to see that
0: truly amazing. Folks, against a backdrop of news that surrounds us with clouds, right? Confusion, toxicity, all of that. What a beautiful proclamation of God's grace. Not pronouncing him saints, but a beautiful testimony to God alive in a family. My friend in a moment is going to be with us, Father Kevin, his brother, Father Joseph. And in fact, it may be helpful for us to even think of that word evangelization. The Greek euangelion you see the word eu is in good life eulogy good messaging somebody is literally what it means euangelion to good message somebody this is the good news to tell the story of good news of god alive present and powerfully in our lives and i'm so moved by that to have uh father kevin with us so with no further ado why don't we bring up father kevin how you doing father I'm doing great, Brother. How are you? So blessed. Very good. So blessed to have you with us tonight. And what a powerful testimony. So we're going to back it up a little, Father Kevin. So many questions in my mind, but I'm going to try to stay focused. Um, with this Ignite Radio Live, we we like to encourage Catholics to know that Revelations twelve eleven we know the enemies around us we know he is formidable not just in the papers but he's attacking anybody who has the audacity to live their marriage vows or their priestly vows the enemy is going after that the enemy is there so the question how do we defeat the enemy revelations twelve eleven. we defeat him by the blood of the lamb which is the holy mass and the word of our testimony so I want to ask you first before we get into some of this story and your beautiful family Padre um, share with us a little bit of the father Kevin Peake story of of you growing up and coming to know and really choose to deliberately live for Jesus Christ in the fullness of our Catholic faith.
2: Amen. Well, um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because when you uh, look back on some of these statistics and polls that are, have been done uh, in years recently, uh, there's a lot of adults who have been asked about their childhood and um, and they ask them, you know, which one of your parents was more spiritual, right? more, more religious, more, you know, whatnot. And uh, a, a great number, uh, and I want to say it's up in the 80%, the 85% category, will say, uh, no, I'm sorry, It's like 92% will say the mother. But then when they ask... Who did you get your faith from like who did you draw it from you know, who, who impressed you the most who shaped you the most 85 percent will say the five. interesting wow. um so it, it seemed a total slip right but i think what it is um is that you know when you're a kid your dad can do anything you know, like <laughs> my dad can beat up your dad you know whatever right, right? right. and and uh, your dad can do anything. You fix anything. He can get anything. He knows everything, right? And so when you see your dad, you know, kneeling in prayer
0: mm.
2: and, and, and deep, heartfelt, honest prayer, it makes an impression on you. Mm. And uh, talking amongst my siblings, uh, that's something that came out very strongly was, you know, my mom. She was the one. My, my dad was a pilot for the airlines, so he was gone a lot. Uh, so my mom was the one actively engaged on a daily basis in our lives, and you know she would you know teach us things and explain things and whatever. But dad was the one that at mass on Sunday and daily mass, you know, because if he was home, we'd go to daily mass. Um, he would take the youngest children. And he would hold them next to him mm-hmm. throughout the mass, kind of explaining things, talking about the mass, whatnot. And then after know. communion, he would come back to his pew and he would kneel down and he would take those two youngest again. You know, it, it was it was partially a control tactic. Right? <laughs> I mean, let's be real, right? But it was so also
1: wise, man. A training, you
2: know. He would take us as he knelt down. He would take us kind of on his thighs and. And he would start to pray in our ears. Mm-hmm. And he would just... And, I mean, it was, it was between him and God. But he was doing it out loud so that we would know Beautiful. what he was praying about mm-hmm. and praying for and, you know, what his relationship with God was. And I, I think mm-hmm. if there's anything uh, in our world today... That, that we need more of within the context of the family, it's that. Mm-hmm. It's a modeled Amen. faith life. It's, it's a personal faith life that then is modeled. That The Evangelium that you were talking about there earlier, mm-hmm. it's got to take place within our family first, within our you know, parent to child. And that was such a powerful moment. And right there around the Eucharist, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it just knit it all together, Uh, and and impressed upon us that this was the most important uh, moment in our faith.
0: That's awesome. So you are one of 11. Where are you in the lineup?
2: I'm the uh, I'm the middle child. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you are. So, father, uh, the, uh, yeah, the bridge builder, the peacemaker, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the faith. <favorite>. That's awesome. <laughs> so, your your parents and your dad, in particular, an icon of the father in heaven, and impressing upon you that this is real and serious. That certainly forged in you a compass and a character but little kevin still lived in the world and went to school and uh, high school and all of that and experienced a real world how did you describe for us a little bit how did you come to personally own it what are some maybe milestones of this faith of ours becoming personal and real for you as you get older
2: yeah the um so we were in catholic schools for a little while Uh, And then uh, there was a problem in the Catholic schools. Uh, There was actually heresy being taught there, and my parents tried to address it and correct it, and the schools chose not to uh, come along for the ride. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so my parents you, basically, my parents basically said, "You know what? You just saved us a lot of money." money. <laughs> right? And they pulled us out of mm. uh, all the Catholic schools and they put us in public schools. So from fifth grade on, I am a product of the public school system. However, um, uh, they they began to teach CCD at home. Mm. Uh, so they bought they looked up the homeschooling theology. Programs and, and um, a curriculum, mm-hmm. and bought that. I think it was the uh, Faith and Life series from Ignatius or mm-hmm. something. And uh, and we would sit around the kitchen table on Sunday afternoon. And you know, before you could go out to play, you had to do your chapter, and you had to be able to pass a quiz with mom and dad on what <laughs> you had learned, and and then you know we'd discuss it. And then you could go out to play. So. Um, There was that formation that my parents made sure we knew was uh, important. And then, of course, uh, we had daily rosary.
1: Um,
2: Mm -hmm. And that was reinforcing things. As a family, we would get together right after dinner and have daily rosary. Uh, And then... um,
0: Can I pause you on that a second? Do you have your train of thought? I want to just press you to maybe convey to our listeners the power and the value of this relationship with jesus through mary and with mary leading us yeah. to jesus and perhaps those who may hear the words you're saying and many of you do that and they think gosh that's just boring you know 50 times or right. 53 times and gosh you forcing little kids to sit around and do this just give us a snapshot of how that impacted you maybe even struggling with it and how it's how it blessed yeah. you the rosary the family rosary i think
2: that i think critical piece for the rosary uh is remembering that it is a meditation on the life of jesus christ right i mean you've got the joyful mysteries which are all about his birth the announcement of his coming and his birth you've got well now the luminous mysteries thank you john paul the great uh for uh incorporating then the years of his ministry um, and then you have the uh, sorrowful mysteries, the the, year, the 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 moment of his passion, death. Uh, and then you have the uh, glorious mysteries, the resurrection, and on into uh, eternity. Uh, so it, it carries on even beyond, it, mm. into the victory of Christ in heaven over all things, and drawing all things to himself in the culmination of time. So you, you've got this full spectrum, full circle meditation on the life of Jesus Christ, and you're meditating on it with his mother, Mm -hmm. who knows him better than any other human being. We believe that, you know, uh, that, that people, their lives don't end when they die here on earth, that they are still fully alive and even more so alive in the kingdom of God. And therefore, we can... You know, lean on them. We see it in the uh, book of Revelation. We see it in some of the letters of St. Paul where he talks about this engagement between heaven and earth. I mean, even Jesus talks about it in the Gospels when he says there's more joy in heaven over one repentant sinner than over 99 who had no need to repent, right? So heaven knows what's going on down here and is very engaged and is, you know, very connected. And so we lean on that by asking these individuals and in this this great cloud of witnesses, as St. Paul Mm. talks about there in Hebrews 12, right? We're asking that great crowd of witnesses to aid us in our understanding and knowledge of Jesus Christ so we can, you know, uh, grow even uh, geometrically, right? We can, mathematically, we can grow geometrically uh, in our knowledge uh, and understanding well beyond our years in just a simple uh, uh, time of prayer.
0: That's but truly awesome. I
2: think that the key, the key point is is that meditation, um, because if we don't have that meditation, then yes, it is just 53 uh, Hail Marys being repeated and a couple of Our Fathers and Glory Bees in between. Um, but when you have that, either the, the scriptural rosary book or when we were kids, we, we would use the scriptural rosary book, but more often we would use the Father Payton book, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Father Payton Mysteries book just something to jumpstart your thought processes and allow the Holy Spirit, you know, the opportunity to come in and say, think about this, realize this, you know, see Jesus in your own life here, here, and here, uh, and and how this works out. Um, So the rosary became so important to us. I remember one day uh, coming home from public school, and Mom and Dad weren't there, and everybody was just hanging out. And uh, we'd just gotten home from school. And I don't even know the circumstances. I can't remember what they were, but I was the babysitter. And I just looked around and said, hey, let's pray a rosary. You know? I mean, It was that just awesome. natural and that common, you know, that everybody would just, hey, we will just gather together. It, it, usually we prayed it after dinner. But I was like, hey, you know what? We can pray this anytime, time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got to college... Uh, the rosary became uh, something that uh, there was a group uh, of students that would get together and pray it every day at 4.30 in the college chapel, and, and that became a connection for me to home. I um,
0: mean, awesome. It was a
2: connection to my heavenly home, uh, but it was also a connection to my family home. I could go and join all these other people praying the rosary, and it was like being back home in, in our living room with all my siblings.
0: That's truly uh, yeah, awesome. It, Truly awesome. So, folks, the, the beautiful testimony to God's gift of our Blessed Mother... To us, to lead us into the mysteries, and what really moves me as you're speaking, Father Kevin, is an invitation to see that we are not spectators, but we are participants in these great mysteries, and this rosary, praying into it, opens us up, and it does require, you mentioned the word, which is not a small word, contemplation, and if that is a critical thing that God has given us, to be in union with him spiritually, and with one another, for you as you say, Christendom, um, begging the next statement, Your life, but at Christendom praying at college, with you know, and feeling connected to your family, that contemplation—if the enemy, you know, wanted to deprive us of this sense of being participants, what would he do? Well, you'd think he'd introduce things like a cell phone. And there's a lot of good. You have one. I have one. Mm. God blesses it. But I don't want to go off on this line too much, but just for folks to consider, yeah. we many of us are so attached and addicted to the next stimulus, but let's ask the question. After 15 minutes, how much further are we by just surfing mindlessly our attachments yeah. to what we want to get in the phone? So I want to encourage you folks who are listening to really yeah. take that leap with your family, family, and convey what Father Kevin is sharing with us, that we're being invited to be participants in this ultimate, eternal reality.
1: And if I could just throw in, if I remember correctly from uh, your mom's stories, we were blessed to have ice cream with her down in Atlanta. So I, I, I verify all the stories you've told thus far because I heard them also from your mom. She is so a force of nature. check complete. Um, but you guys grew up without a television also, which I'm sure helps to encourage that contemplation, right? I mean, why don't yes. you speak to that yes. for a moment?
2: Yes, and I love that. Um, you know, and, and I just want to go back. I will. Uh, I want to pick up a point there. When earlier on, when you were talking about the the toxic and cloudy and dark media and, and news and and the, the culture that we just keep getting pressed by. I'm I'm actually on a retreat right now. Um and one of the priest friends of mine uh, was talking about it. He said, you know, if the devil to to destroy the church, to to destroy families, to destroy our culture whatever, what he wants more than anything else is to separate us from reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Because in reality is truth. And so, and truth is God, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he wants to separate us from reality, and I think that's what happens with all these social media blasts that everybody jumps on and starts ranting and raving and responding to without ever really stopping to find out the full truth, Mm -hmm. The full story of what's actually going on and what this actually means. And so by separating us from reality, he begins to separate us from each other mm-hmm. uh, because, we, you know, nobody really knows the full truth. We just, I know a little bit here and you know a little bit there, and so we're arguing and debating and this, that, and the other. And, and you know, what we really need, and this has been kind of the theme of our retreat, and this leads back to our point, what we really need is quiet reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget uh, my, my sister, the cloistered the, the Carmelite nun. You know, they don't have any TV. They don't have any computer. They don't have any Internet. They don't have this, that, and the other. They're not plagued by all your know, text messages and social media, whatever. But when you go to their monastery and you share with them something that's going on in the world, right, they just have like a keen insight mm. that goes right to the heart of the issue, and they're like, well, this is what we need to be doing, or this Mm -hmm. is what we need to be thinking about that, or this is what we need to be praying about that. And you're like, that is so right on, right? Right? Mm -hmm. And they didn't even know what the issue was Mm -hmm. until you just said it to them five minutes ago, right? Mm -hmm. But it comes from that reflective, contemplative, quiet, prayerful space that we create in our own homes, you know? And I, I, I tell you what, I still don't watch TV. Uh, I may watch a sports game once in a while, but mm-hmm. I still don't watch TV. And I'm in the mi- military, I'm, we're supposed to stay up with all the latest events. You know, I, I, I hear that uh, Iran may have bombed some oil fields mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia this weekend or whatever. We're supposed to stay up on that because we've got to respond to these things. But, you know what, I hear it all. I hear it all indirectly. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's talking about it, or it's out there. It gets to you. Whatever you need to know will get to you. But I still don't have a TV because I want my house, I want my room to be a detox station (laughs) from the world Mm. where I can sit in quiet, reflective contemplation with God and hear Him, Mm. you know, and and, and know Him.
0: In fact... As you're speaking, I have vivid images of the very monastery in Erie, Pennsylvania, where your sister is at. And through the duration of my years of my wife and I leading ministry, by God's grace, very formidable in Erie, Pennsylvania, we would hear often of people who would go to the sisters and ask for prayers for us and for this movement. And what you just said is remarkably true. They... Uh, exhibited a uh, precision, a wisdom, a clarity of what was happening in both the, the, the heavenlies realms as well as the human realms because they were so free from uh, the narrative clutter, if you will, that we tend yeah. to turn to. Let me back us up. Uh, so this is, yeah. was really not even a departure. God is leading this and blessed by that and our Blessed Mother Mary and the Rosary. Um, so take us, again, you, you had the Rosary in your family, um, your dad leading yeah. you, high school, it was embedded in you. Uh, tell us a little more about the journey of maybe even coming to be open to the priesthood and discovery of that, and maybe even a word on you know, how does one know their vocation you know, in, ter- in terms of yeah. your own story?
2: Yeah. So, I, and you were talking about you know when I when I kind of started to make it personally my own, um, you know, I, I w- there was there was a certain fear of dad. Let me put it that way that <laughs> uh, that made sure you didn't stray while you were under his roof. <laughs> like a good <laughs> uh, dad. Quick quick short story. Right. We were we were never allowed to go to R rated movies, of course. And when PG thirteen came out, we were never allowed to go to PG thirteen mm-hmm. movies. So my sister and I one night go out to the movies and we picked a movie that one of the marquee said was PG. So we called home, told my dad, yeah, we're we'll going to this movie. Okay, we'll be home by whenever. We go into the movie. My dad opened the newspaper and the newspaper said it was R.
1: Oh Ooh. no. <laughs> oh, we
2: came out, Print? Of the, we came out of the theater and the car
1: Oh. Was gone.
2: <laughs> I uh, called home. Now, this was an old beat-up car. Nobody steals an old beat-up car. <laughs> I called home, and my dad didn't even say hello. He just said, start walking. <laughs> I hung up. Right? I mean, oh. you did not want to betray dad, right? That's so so, so awesome. there was a little bit of that in the process. But uh, when I got to be 18... And I started looking. You know, I was I was gonna be uh, uh, my my first goal was to be a Marine Harrier pilot. I had a, a scholarship to Georgia Tech. I was gonna do uh, aeronautical engineering and and go that route. Um, but I, but that was about when we were gearing up for Desert Storm and all that. And I thought, you know, if I'm gonna be jumping off a of carrier decks. I need to make sure I know where my soul is going if that plane doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. transform uh, into forward progress, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so I began to really kind of study it for myself at that point. Um, and I realized that the only reason I was Catholic was because my parents had put me in the car and taken me to a Catholic church every Sunday. You know, if they'd taken me to a mosque, I'd be Muslim. If they'd taken me to a mm-hmm. synagogue, I'd be Jewish, you know, Baptist church, I'd be Baptist, Right. So I began to, like, dig in, and uh, my parents sent me on a pilgrimage uh, to Fatima, Portugal. There was mm-hmm. a priest in South Dakota named Father Robert Fox. He's got a lot of books yeah. out there. He's passed away now. God rest his soul. He, um, I think he went down to EWTN in, in his retirement and kind of lived down there for a little while. But what a uh, sainted soul. Yes, And he used to run uh, female and male pilgrimages each summer for high school and college kids, and my parents tried to get all of us on those trips when we got to be, you know, graduates of high school. Uh, so it was kind of your rite of passage. Everybody would go on this trip. Uh, so I made my trip, and while I was over there, um, you know, I'd been to confession. We, we That was another thing that Mom insisted on was that we get to confession every month. Hmm. And a little little clue to families out there that might be listening you know that's a huge thing grace. because we talk about grace you, know, you talk about amazing grace right and what amazing grace actually does it, it changes us it transforms us into other Christs right so what do you want to be as a parent do you want to be raising you know three four five little hellions around your house or do you want to be raising three, four, five little Jesus Christ's mm-hmm. around your house, right? Well, God gives us this sacrament to aid in that transformation. So my mom used it generously and liberally and made sure we went every month. <laughs> but when Come I was on. in Fatima, uh, it was the first time that I'd actually had like three or four days to prepare for a confession, mm. you know, seriously and clearly and directly. So it was probably the most profound confession i haven't made and at the end of it father fox looks at me and he says you ever thought about being a priest and i was like dude you just heard all <laughs> of my sins like the worst i am at you know me at my worst and you're <sighs> saying i should be a priest oh, I I mean, this is crazy That's but awesome. i went out and i prayed about it and you know when i was a kid i had thought about it but i kind of pushed that aside once i found out that girls really don't have cooties
1: <laughs>
2: uh and uh And so I, uh, uh, but it came back now, and it was something I had to reckon with. And so because of that, I changed, uh, I I came home and uh, gave up the uh, uh, dream of Georgia Tech, and I went to uh, Christendom College to to begin to study more about my faith and get to know it more and whatnot. And actually there, uh, you know, again, getting back to the point of making my faith my own, um, there I actually met a uh, an amazing young lady at the time, Kathy Kelly, now uh, Kathy Sternfels, and just such a prayerful and spiritual and, and beautiful young woman who was aware of, you know, uh, my need to develop my faith, and, and so we would pray the rosary together, and she would ask me to lead meditations mm. as we prayed the rosary together, um, which, you know, I'd never done that before. We'd always read it out of the book, right? Mm. So now I had to kind of dig deep into my own experience of God and the scriptures and the sacraments and Our Lady and, whatever, and, and, and put together, you know, things that we could think about while we were praying these mysteries. Uh, And so Kathy became a a, a catalyst, uh, bringing together everything I had experienced through my childhood, uh, through this retreat, through everything, through what we were learning in class. And she just molded it and and fashioned it all together as as an instrument of God in my soul, um, which... Then caused me, of course, to have to go deeper into my discernment, mm-hmm. uh, so in a sense she uh she worked her way out of a relationship,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was platonic she, uh, she and I
2: Not... she and I are still uh, really, really good friends to this day. Mm-hmm. no no, we dated, we dated right. for four and a half years, yeah I, I uh, caught the college. vibe, yes, yeah, no, we were, and, and I tell you what it, it came down to where I was wrestling God. Mm-hmm. In the chapel uh, every night, mm-hmm. uh, between you know asking her to marry me and, and becoming a priest, but uh, but God won and and uh, Kathy was very gracious. Uh, in fact, she bought me my first vestment. Oh. Wow! That's uh, came down to my ordination and bought me my first vestment, and yeah, just just really a pivotal part of my. Uh, uh, evangelization and, and conversion it's of powerful.
0: heart and soul to, to Christ. So let me put something in focus here, and I I really love the story God's Grace and Design, which I think for the most part, duly noting, you know, you and I are, are fallen. You were blessed with a mm. family foundation. You were blessed with points of support and encouragement, contemplation, rosary, all of that. But I want to put in focus that maybe that, that quality of discernment and just straight up you don't get to have sex. You don't get to have companionship Good. and come home to somebody. The prominent things a young man, or maybe a young woman, thinks about that, you know, yeah. desire for another person to be present to you. Frame that maybe for us, uh, you know, from the standpoint of somebody who's saying how important it is to seek the will of God and the sense of enrichment that is promised in doing that truly and purely at a deep level. I don't know if that...
2: Yeah. yeah, you know, um, our, our retreat master uh, yesterday said or maybe it was today, I don't remember, but, but he said, you know, when it comes down to uh, that discernment and the, um, the recruiting of seminarians and, he said, "You've got to find the individual who would die for his faith, mm-hmm. or her faith, if we're talking about a religious, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to find the individual. Who would die? Would be willing to sacrifice everything because if you ask somebody, "Well, oh, would you sacrifice everything for that?" Well, yeah. Well, then you have no problem dying, mm-hmm. right? Because because you are you, you just said it. You would sacrifice mm-hmm. everything, right? Um, and and vice versa. If I'm willing to die, then I'll sacrifice anything,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know. So it's it's a it's a, a ebb and foot, so vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, going back to, you know, my dad was military, my sister was a Navy nurse, my brother was a Navy search and rescue. You know, it's, it's been in our family. My mom would drill the virtue of sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. That That's one of the other problems, I think, today. And And I don't, I'm not calling out. Anybody with a small family, not calling them out at all. There's many, many reasons why some families are smaller, and I really don't think it's healthy for people to make presumptions mm-hmm. about uh, couples or families because they only have a couple of kids, you know. Um, but I will say this. It's a greater challenge for them to teach their children sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? right yeah. Because when you got 11 kids, you're sacrificing every. Every day, every mm-hmm. hour, because, no, we can't do that. We don't have the money for that. No, we can't do that because so-and-so's got to go to soccer practice. No, we can't do that because so-and-so's got this going on that day. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or because, uh, you know, so-and-so can't do it, too, and it's going to cause them undue stress and anger, and it's going to upset the whole household. So if if they can't do it, you can't do it, right? You know, whatever it is. Right. I mean, there's so many different ways that we learn sacrifice in a large family. Um and, and and it's something that we have to teach our kids because our faith is about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean we just said it there earlier, uh, in that in that reading, right? That we are called to be other Christ, that we're called to be living in this world as an agent of God's transformative grace. But the way that happens, Jesus tells us, is by carrying our cross, mm-hmm. right? By, by following Him and picking up our cross and, and doing so. And, and, and He didn't take His cross to a garden party. He took His right. cross... To Calvary, right? He didn't take his cross to an exclusive resort someplace. Uh He took his cross to Calvary and died on it. And so we have to conscientiously and deliberately sometimes, because we live in a culture that's so rife with everything we could ever Uh want. Uh I mean, we have it all, most of us, Uh right? And 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 even those who are poor, even those who are struggling. I've been to Iraq. I've been to Afghanistan. We are kings. Mm -hmm. We're living like kings Mm -hmm. compared to most of the people around the world in in these third-world countries and whatever, right? And so we have to find a way to incorporate sacrifice. Um, You know, I talked to a family, very wonderful, loving, beautiful family, very wealthy family. And recently they just changed their lifestyle because they've stopped going on vacation to relaxing beach, you know, whatever places. And they've started going on vacation to places that need help. Love it. And so they're doing like, volunteer vacations. They're doing like mission trip vacations. That's awesome. And that's what they're doing because they realize their kids need to see this and know this, right? But when you when you have that sacrificial spirit, then it leads to being more willing and open to embracing a vocational call to the priesthood or religious
0: life. Well, well put. And actually, I love that that word sacrifice, sacrifiche, literally means to make sacred, that it's God's desire Mm -hmm. for us to be made sacred through sacrifice, which, of course, he reveals on the cross. But I think um, everything you just said, but we will not discover joy if we don't know Sacrifice. We'll not discover that sense of transcendence. And that whole thing of John Paul II, Carol Voitia, uh, identifies alienation and participation as the two uh, points where they're going to go one or the other. We're going to be alienated or we're going to participate. And Christ shows us participation, that connection to others, that transcendence only by way of sacrifice. So I, I delight in what you're saying. And even as a married man, of course, at one point, you were, I think, a class younger than me at Mount St. Mary's in Emmits. And I didn't know how else to discern except to be all in. I wanted to be all in. But for me, uh, I knew that until I was willing to say, God, I give you everything, quite frankly, I couldn't be a good husband and father. I mean, right. it, you know, it, you know, the, right. men need to understand who are married also, this is not a message of just giving up sex or companionship. A godly father right. and husband knows that if he is not embracing a call to be like Christ, Ephesians 5, to lay down his life right. for his wife and his children, he's going to be living, languishing in a selfish, alienated world. Right. And I think many men right now need to rediscover, if you will, there with a small p, priestly call in their homes. And really the only opportunity that that gives for joy how do you experience that and if you will with as a confessor with married men speak to married men on that point
2: yeah 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 yeah. because i mean it's the same thing but instead you know you're being called to die for your spouse and family right so it still goes back to the sacrifice the sacrificial mentality that says i lay down my life i'm all in as you said for my spouse and my children, right? Mm-hmm. And I love when you talk about the the small p priestly, because, you know, Scott Hahn goes into, uh, in the early uh, scriptures, right? Uh, Adam and Eve and and the families that came from that and on through. He said that the priest, because they had religion. It may not have been, you know, it may not have been the Israelite covenant and and defined and and scripted and whatnot, but they had religion. They had a relationship with God, and it was the responsibility of the father of the family Mm -hmm. to lead the family in prayer. And that, that carried over into Israel, because when they had the Passover, the youngest person in the room would ask the oldest male figure, the the patriarch of the family, they would ask him, why is this night not like any other night, right? And then the patriarch of the family would wax eloquent about the history of Israel and the Passover and the providence and protection of God. And I mean, he would go into the all the detail and tell the entire story of the people of Israel. And I wonder sometimes how many of our fathers could sit down at the dinner table and just tell the story mm. of, you know, uh, of salvation history
0: awesome.
2: uh, in the context of Christ and and, the, and His Church. I mean, it's it, but that's what we ought to be, and that's what we are called to be in order to have that family um, formed and developed and enriched the way God desires and intends. And so when it comes to, you know, counseling uh, couples or or, or, or dads and, and husbands, when it comes to, you know, the men in the parish, when it comes to talking about family life, those are the themes that I talk about. Because, you know, it goes all the way back to Adam. Adam was told by God to till and keep the garden. And that means to work the garden and protect the garden. Well, in that garden was Eve. And so his responsibility was to till and protect the garden but to till and protect Eve right That's awesome. and 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 all her offspring uh that would come from that and uh and so th- there's just this beautiful uh vocation there uh you know it's it's a uh, the, the the priest we call him father because he's the father of the parish family Right, um, but we call dad father because he's the father of our family. Mm-hmm. There's so many parallels and connections uh, uh, within uh, those vocations. We are we are complementary to each other. Mm-hmm. We complete each other. And uh, I tell my couples, I need you. I need you to be faithful and you know uh, uh, fulfilled couples and 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 families to support me.
0: Awesome.
2: And you need me to be a faithful and fulfilled priest to support you. I mean, we, we, we build each other up. Absolutely.
0: Father, you are speaking words of delight and joy and truth. And you mentioned earlier on your retreat that uh, today's culture, the enemy works by wanting to separate us from reality. And, of course, it's all about real presence, the very presence of Jesus. And we're all members of this body of Christ we call real presence. And you're talking about the nature of sacrifice, which is not uh, the modern postulate. The modern postulate is how can I preserve my comfort in every way and certainly those are good things thanks be to God for the creator of air conditioning i'm just going to say it but 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 you know do we receive do we receive every discomfort as god's hand molding us that's something i invite our family often in our prayer you know to my children and my wife lord help us to recognize every discomfort as an occasion for your hand to mold me relational discomfort emotional discomfort physical discomfort do we receive that as god's hand molding us but i want to segue with a little bit of time we have left there's so much and you bring such light to this and i thank god for you and your priesthood and just our friendship and the church that you bring to us right now many looking for that light in many ways from a broken wounded church but we know that christ is his church and triumphant anyways i digress so what was going through your heart mind as stephanie was reading uh, a little bit of your story from 3 years ago involving the journey with father joe some very powerful themes that that are really were echoing here of sacrifice and self-gift and especially now at the re, you know looking at the scandal in the church and your brother father joseph willing to suffer for that and your family rallying around it what what went on with you what are some points right now as in this sitting with what's going on in the world 3 years later that strike you as a priest?
2: Amen. Well, you know, I got to say, she was reading it, I—I I, I read it. And you know, you guys sent me the link just to refresh me, and I read it. Um, but as she was reading it, I mean, I just was welling up in tears because mm. um, my brother was such a uh, an amazing mm. and beautiful person, and I remember so much of his offering uh, for the church. And one of the things I said in in my homily. Uh, that kind of relates to what you're you're asking. Um, you know, he said he was suffering, and he was offering it for the priest of the Archdiocese of Atlanta. And so one night, as I was changing his uh, dressings, and, and he was just in incredible pain, mm. I, I stopped for a moment, and I looked at him, and I said, I, I need to ask your forgiveness. And and he looks at me, and he's like, well, for what? And I said, well, you said you were offering this for the priest of the Archdiocese of Atlanta, mm. and, and I'm one of those priests, and oh. obviously I've I've contributed mm. to your suffering, uh, and I've benefited from your suffering, so I just want to ask mm. your forgiveness. And he looked at me and he goes, well, I'm a priest of the Archdiocese, too. <laughs> 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 I just, That's awesome. I just hit me and I, I was like, wow, wow, yeah, oh. there it is. Um, but, you know, so many continue to uh, benefit from his story, uh, just remembering the impact that he made in their lives. Um, and so you know it, it is still brought up, uh, especially in light of these new seeming well seemingly new, but continuing uh, revisitations of the, uh, scandals that we already knew about, just seeing them in more glaring detail and, mm-hmm. and more horrific, uh, impact and whatnot. Um, so, so it just keeps coming back up, you know, Joe's, Joe's offering. And, mm-hmm. and I remember that mm-hmm. and, uh, and it inspires me to, um, to do my part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my sister, uh, uh, the Carmelite, uh, she shared with me just a month or two ago a story of, of uh, something that was going on uh, earlier uh, when when we were actually, Joe was actually my assistant pastor. Uh, believe it or not, mm-hmm. uh, as he was recovering from his illness, uh, I was a pastor right near the, his treatment center, so they made him my assistant.
1: Awesome. And
2: she asked him a question about something, and, and his response was, I will always be with him. You know, I will always, what what do you say, I will always go with him, or I will always follow him, Mm. or I will always be with him. Wow. And, you know, now in hindsight, with him gone, or him, you know, deceased, um, it's that much more powerful. Right. Like... I know he's here with me. Right. I know he's walking with me, and uh, and it inspires me to continue to uh, up my game, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, of uh, of sacrifice and, and focus on and 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 focus on eternity, mm-hmm. um, on the on the kingdom of God, and 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 bringing that kingdom to bear upon this earth. You, know, you talked about the joy. Um, Carrying that joy, one of the things that Monsignor Marin mentioned, right, was the joy of the family and the way that we carried through. Mm. Uh, And I I think, again, that all goes back to that foundation and formation. Um, We learned that that true joy of God uh, that is not rooted in any of the things of this world, but Mm. only... In His kingdom and in His Son Jesus Christ, and and when you have that, no, no matter what the challenges of this world present, like you were just saying, hey, when these difficulties come up, right? We, it, it, it's a. A moment. It's an invitation. It's a it's a call from God to bring light and joy into this suffering. You know, whether it's a, a hurricane or whether it's a a, a, a prognosis of cancer and, and a, a terminal illness, or or whether it's uh, you know someone that's lost a child, or whether it's you know someone who's lost a job or a loved you know a, a marriage that's broken. You know, we come in and we bring the the, the light. The hope, the love of God, the joy into these very painful moments, um, and that's really our ministry. Uh, we were talking awesome. about, you know, all the problems in the world and the scandals and the things going on overseas and this, that, and the other. The only thing you and I can impact most of us, unless you're working for the government, is right in front of us. It's
0: mm, right. our
2: is our family, is our next door neighbor. That's right is the person at school or church who's struggling and suffering. And this is our call. This is how we rebuild the church right now. This is how we we rebuild uh, the message of salvation, is by carrying it out to that one, two, five, ten people that are in my circle of influence that need to know the love and and presence of Jesus Christ.
0: Father, you got me doing the Greg nod. I'm a very expressive listener. (laughs) I'm just like, you know, moving, nodding, yes, and forth, praising God, thanking him for your words. (laughs) Um, So just a quick cue. When we hear the music, we'll have to come in for a quick landing, but I'm saying that to give you permission now with a few moments that we have speak to that family, that, the parents may be faithful going to church, but they feel things are too far gone in their home. Kids are in their video games, yeah. they're in their devices. What you painted is a portrait of a family from the beginning that was seeking to do it. They're like, ah, I don't even know where to begin. Just kids are ruling the house. Yeah. To speak to them right now, give some encouragement to grandparents and parents who feel too far gone.
2: Yeah, this is this is one of the things that's so beautiful about the seasonal cycle of the church. Is that we are given seasons wherein we can try something new. It's almost like, you know, a New Year's resolution. But we can do it as a family. Yeah. So we have Advent coming up, not too far in the distant future here. Um, we could take advantage of that and say, "Hey, for Advent, just for four weeks, let's try doing X or Y." You know my sister's house, one of my sister's houses, she has a no smartphone zone. Right. So when it. you walk in the door, you drop your phone in the basket, and you, know, you, you, you spend time as a family. Um, you know, or you can have a smartphone time. You say, okay, you know what, from you know, this time to this time, we're putting it all away, and we're just going to sit and talk as a family. We're going to interact like people did before mm-hmm. all of this. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're going to incorporate a time of prayer. You know, and, and if it's foreign to your family, you know, and you want to start with one decade of the rosary, that's fine. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer. I, you know, and maybe it's just my personality type, but I just got to take it. Take take the hit up front. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. when I started tithing, uh, you know, somebody said, well, you, you could start, you know, with 5% and, you know, 2%, work up to 5%, you know, work up to the, I'm like, nah. I just got to take that hit up front and just swallow that pill right from the start, you know. But other families may be different, you know, however it works. But use the cycle of the seasons of the church um, to, to help jumpstart whatever good ideas you may have or, or desire uh, for your family.
0: That's awesome. Folks here, tune in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. So blessed to have a very dear friend, brother, and priest, uh, Father Kevin Peek, who has been sharing with us some of the just beauty, delight, joy, uh, the heart of trying to live it on this earth and God's grace with us, sacrifice and the joy in that sacrifice, contemplation, the gift that God gives us to be in union with him and all others, you know, leaning in newly, Uh, as parents, as family, as friends, uh, to a life right now as a first moment of the rest of our lives. We can say yes to that. So we're just going to close in prayer here in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being present to us and showing us our nature. Love is self-sacrifice for the good of others, woven into the fabric of the Trinity, our unsurpassed nature, and the gift of husband, wife, family, priesthood, religious, united to live this kingdom that you give us. Help us to receive it, your healing, transforming power in abundance and overflow. And especially we pray for Father Kevin and his deployment in March of 2021, that you will profoundly bless him and all those he's called to serve. For your glory through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.